Hey friends, Rich here from Unseminary. Listen, today's sponsor is our good people over at Leadership Pathway. I last month spent two days with them and I am so incredibly impressed. You know that there's got to be a better way to find, support, and develop next generation of church leaders for your team. We are all trying to figure out what can I do to find younger leaders. And it feels like this is one of those problems we've been tackling since I was in college. I remember and still know what it's like to try to have enough time to run the day-to-day ministry, to keep the thing rolling without trying to chase leads, resumes, and onboard all the next generation team that we need really to build out a full developmental pipeline. I don't have time for that. It's so critically important though. And this is where our good friends at Leadership Pathway come in. They have experience in all of this and so much more. They've collectively interviewed thousands of ministry leaders trying to take their next step in ministry. They will help you launch a leadership residency program that's custom fit to your organization. I don't know how I can make this more simple, friends. We all need next generation leaders in our ministry. We all need to find the next you. Leadership Pathway wants to help you do that. So go to leadershippathway.org forward slash unseminary. There's a really interesting article there that you could grab about what you're looking for in your next hire. I think that you'll find it super helpful. Again, go to leadershippathway.org forward slash unseminary. The question is, where's the next you coming from? I think it's in your leadership residency program. Talk to them today. Are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Hey friends, Rich here from the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to, to tune in. You know, every week we bring you a leader that we hope will really inspire and equip you. And today, I know that is no exception. I've got my friend, Jenny Katrin. She's the founder and CEO of an organization called The Foresight Group. They provide coaching and consulting churches and consulting services to churches and other organizations. She's a writer, speaker, leadership coach. She's really an expert in this whole area of culture, particularly. She's worked at a a number of great churches, including Menlo, uh, Menlo Church in Menlo Park and Cross Point in Nashville. She is incredible. Jenny, welcome to the show. So glad you're here. Rich, this is fun. Thanks for having me. Now, Jenny, if you're a longtime listener, was our actually our second guest on the podcast. Is that and right? Are, that is true. It was Carrie Newhoff was number one, and then Jenny Catron was number two. And we are approaching 600 episodes. And so I was thinking about that, and I thought, who do we need to have? Now you've come back. I think, in fact, that might be the last time. I don't. I don't know if you've done three. I should have looked before. I was to say I can't today. remember, but that's crazy. It was episode number two. That's super fun. Episode and two, a that's long awesome. time ago. Yeah. It was a part of the pre, before we even launched, recorded, you know, you got to record a few before. And uh, so, yeah, you were number two. So uh, the fact that you'll still come on all these years later is oh my is to your credit. So <laughs> glad no, that. I'm thrilled. Yeah. This is fun yeah. to be back. This is great. This will be fun. Well, why don't we kind of talk through, tell us about Foresight, kind of fill out the picture there. I gave a very kind of quick overview. G- give us a sense of, of Foresight. Who do you help? What do you do? That sort of thing. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, Foresight was really birthed out of my passion for leaders to be healthy and thriving and for their teams to be healthy and thriving. And, you know, I had uh, the privilege of serving in full-time ministry, like you said, for about 12 years. 
on church staff in the role of executive director and executive pastor. And, uh, and then prior to that, I'd been in the corporate world for about a decade. And what I just recognized over and over is that the, the significance of the health of a leader and then the power of a mm. great culture team dynamics that just enable us to achieve a mission. And that when those two things are happening, when a leader's healthy and thriving and the team is healthy and thriving, you just, I feel like you can conquer the world, right? Like whatever that mission is, you are able to just uh, achieve that with so much more uh, meaningful success, if you will. And uh, so Foresight was birthed out of that, of like, how can I help more leaders and teams just, you know, do what they, they feel called to do and in a way that mm -hmm. is life-giving to them. So mm -hmm. uh, so that's what we do. We do leadership coaching. So I have a team of coaches that um, do one-on-one -on -one leadership coaching. And then we also have our culture framework, which is just a, a, a framework that helps walk through, hey, if, you know, whether your culture is kind of mediocre or your culture is really toxic right now, um, mm -hmm. or it just needs a tune-up, you know, because there's no perfect mm -hmm. culture. Um, mm -hmm. we come alongside, do workshops and ongoing consulting to help, um, just give you those building blocks to build a healthy and thriving team. Love it. Well, you know, I know in, like I said this earlier, but I'm going to underline it. Whenever I think of culture issues, uh, at the top of the list is you. And, and so friends, you should be following Jenny and the foresight group and reaching out to them, uh, for sure. They're just fantastic, uh, people. But, but part of what I'm doing here is taking advantage of our friendship. You talk to a lot of different leaders. You are connected in a lot of places, having a lot of different conversations. And so I wanted to kind of tap that kind of meta idea of like, Hey, what are you hearing? What are some of the things that either churches are coming to you or you're kind of, in, as you're engaged in conversation, you're like, oh, I'm seeing a trend here. Uh, what are be a, a, some of those? Maybe these are, you know, problems that our churches are running into, leaders are coming into, maybe a pain that you're, you consistently see coming up. What, what are you hearing these days? Yeah, there, you know, there's a couple different themes that are standing out to me. One of which is just, there's just such a sense of overload and fatigue. Like that feels really prevalent. I think it's, you know, the compounding effect of two years of just dis dis disruption and constantly having to figure out, okay, now how do we do it? Okay, now mm. how do we do it? Okay, how do we <laughs> so plan? True. You know, you and I talked yes. offline just before we started recording of just, you know, the practical reality of how challenging it is to even plan as far out as mm. we might have historically. So there's just like this, it, it, I think it's just catching up with us. Um, mm. I think that's compounded by the level of disconnection, especially when we talk about teams mm. and cultures, mm -hmm. when we've most, most organizations still have some level of hybrid work, you know, mm -hmm. there, there are some that have returned completely to the office, but by and large, there's still a lot of like, kind of, you know, hybrid work scenarios or still working from home. But what that's done is it's created just fractures in connection for teams. Mm. And so the relationships are strained. The trust is strained. Uh, communication is strained. And so you're just feeling like, and I think that's also like um, contributing to the fatigue factor. So sure. those are like really two of those big things that I'm seeing is just this kind of sense of overload because we're just a bit exhausted. And then yes. we're also not connected the way that we mm -hmm. historically would have been. And while that's getting mm -hmm. better in some places, that impact on the, on the team dynamic, um, I think is, is really starting to show is, you know, we're starting yeah. to really see that more. Well, and I think, yeah, that makes total sense. Uh, you know, I wonder if 
a part of this has been pre all of this. What are, I don't even know what we call this season. What do we call COVID, it anymore, right? You know, Post COVID, what are, I don't know, whatever you call this. Um, pre that, so many of us were used to leading where like we saw everyone that we were leading like every day. We were slapping them on the back. There was, you know, That's it's right. the old water cooler idea. And so there was a there was both a relational thing that we could do there where we could kind of stay connected and we had high enough, you know, kind of emotional EQ that we could figure out where people are at. But then even just communicating what's important as an organization was all done face to face, where then now it's not definitely not all done face to face. And so you can see how that has really has really strained people over these years for sure. What what yeah. what's some of the outcomes you you see of that? like on teams, like what is that, what impact is that having on, um, you know, the, the kind of people who are working in churches or their, you know, the teams, uh, who are, you know, who are, you know, trying to make this thing happen. Yeah. You know, this is, this is more of a Jenny theory than me being able to deliberately connect the dots, but, you know, part of what we, you know, are hearing is the, the great resignation of people Mm -hmm. reevaluating and changing jobs and, uh, I, I saw one more recent stat that said 25% of employees are considering leaving. That was as I've seen that number wow. as much as 40 or 60%, depending on which mm-hmm. what what research you're looking at. But mm-hmm. by and large, everybody's asking the question of why am I doing what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. And I do think that is a byproduct of people being disconnected from the significance and purpose of the work they're doing, just because they're mm-hmm. not in proximity to their leader in the same way mm-hmm. where they're, or they're not in proximity to the, who, the, whoever they serve. So if we're talking to a lot of church leaders, you know, mm-hmm. uh, if you can, and every leader has felt this, right. Of like mm-hmm. our attendance is a fraction of what it was pre COVID. And that's really like just frustrating. And we don't see the same people. We wonder if some people are even around and, um, mm-hmm. and while we want to be mindful of who is here and making sure we're being thoughtful to connect with them, that again, I think that is still just um, just been emotionally tiring for most mm. of our teams, and then with one another because they haven't had the same level of proximity in in the office. You know, as much as we've gotten really good at video and Zoom and all mm. of these things, um, unless you're really purposeful about creating connection, which just sometimes feels a little awkward. So what's happened is so mo- so much of our work has become just transactional. We've mm. lost, like you said, those water cooler, pat each other on the back, high five, you know, just chit chat in, in for a minute mm. in the hallway in between meetings. And some of those mm. like really human interaction things that happen naturally for teams were mm. completely extracted when we had to go to all virtual. And right. Unless we found some mechanisms to replace a little bit of it, and I think there's some things you can do in a digital mm-hmm. environment to replace some of that. But I think all of I, I, I think it's been hard for team members to name that. That's why I'm not energized about my work. You know, again, right. for years we've been saying people don't quit jobs; they quit bosses, or you know, like yep. we stay someplace because of the culture and our leader. And yep. we've known that for forever. Well, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, I think a good reason why people are are asking the question of, you know, should I stay here? Do I want to move on to something different? Is because they've lost that relational connectivity that brought so much life to their work. And while we might be starting to bring some of that back, um, it's, you know, now it's we're having to rebuild that those muscles and know how to mm-hmm. do that again. So uh, 
I, I think there's there's a lot in there, so I should probably like pause and let you no, tease out no, what's no, most that's helpful. I, I love that because I think uh, I know for me that's kind of as it's gone through these different phases, it's like, well, if we let's play like a better game on Zoom or like. <laughs> I'll send pizza to everyone's house or like right. we tried to, we started with like these, um, like how do we, how do we kind of approximate or synthesize what it was like to be in person? But the thing I mm-hmm. like that you're pushing on is actually, I think a much deeper issue, which is it really gets, it's like the organizational clarity question, right? Which is like, why are people here? When I think of the people who are, who are thriving in this season in the organization I lead or, you know, churches that I run into, it's people who have clarity on what is the big thing? What is the thing that kind of transcends the, the, you know, all the kind of frills or whatever. So what, what are some things you're seeing on that front around either? Cause it does seem like if people are wondering, why am I here? I do feel like every organization is, is asking that question now again, right? It's like, okay, what is it? What is the next five years supposed to be like now? Everything's changed. World's different. Um, you know, what are we building? You know, we stopped talking about rebuilding, but what are we building? So, um, what does that look like when you think about organizational clarity in this season? Yeah. And I think uh, you're, you're, you're hitting it dead on in that it's actually really hard Right. So for the senior leaders in the room, you know, the that are at, you know, in that most senior leadership seat, it's been really challenging to clarify where are we going? And mm-hmm. and I think mm-hmm. because of that frustration of I don't know how to predict next month, let alone five years from now, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that then in some ways and I and I name myself because I said that the the head of the organization that I lead and it's in some ways we we we've been in such a reactive posture and and we mm-hmm. had to be initially right mm-hmm. it was like whoa mm-hmm. what is coming at us how am i going to deal with this and it was just kind of right. react and you know play a little whack-a-mole and try to just mm-hmm. you know keep the wheels from falling off mm-hmm. and uh, i think the challenge for us as leaders right now is to push ourselves back to a proactive posture mm-hmm. um get out of reactive mode and go more, okay, wait, how am I going to engage now moving forward? But there's a lot of work we have to do to get ourselves there because it's really discouraging. (laughs) It's really frustrating to go, I don't know what the next few months are going to look like. I don't know Mm -hmm. how to predict that. All of my typical mechanisms Mm -hmm. for that uh, Mm -hmm. aren't working anymore. And Mm -hmm. and I'm grieving loss, right? I mean, so a lot Mm -hmm. of the pastors that I'm working with are still, you know, as much as we know it shouldn't be about numbers and, you know, like we don't need to fixate on the metrics. There's the, we are grieving that we used to reach a thousand people and now it's 500 Mm. a week. And we Mm. have this number of people who are connected online, but we don't quite know how to like, what what to do with that. Yeah. We don't know exactly (laughs) what that means. And, um, Mm. and, you know, so we're still grieving just that loss. And I think we have mm-hmm. to really keep wrestling with that. So long way around to your, to your question is I think we have to really go back to why I think we got so focused mm-hmm. on what, like, mm-hmm. what do I need to be doing? Which is the strategy piece, but that real mm-hmm. sense of purpose, like why, mm-hmm. why do I do this? I remember, and I may have told you this rich, but I remember sitting at this very desk in April mm-hmm. of 2020 going, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, what am I going to do? I've spent <laughs> the last four years of this organization traveling uh, all around to different churches yes. and organizations, speaking, consulting, mm-hmm. being on site with leaders. 
And what am I going to do? And I was, I was, I was sitting here praying and I felt like God was like, well, why do you do what you do? Right. To equip leaders, to lead thriving teams. Mm-hmm. They, and I just felt like I was like, and they still need that. Yes. So now it was how, maybe more now right? than ever. Yes, yes. exactly. Yes, exactly. Right. So it was like, and I, that was so grounding for me, Rich, because it was like, mm-hmm. wait, why? Why mm-hmm. do I do what I do? So for church leaders, mm-hmm. why? Why do we do what we do? Why do we do what we do? Mm-hmm. People need the hope of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. arguably mm-hmm. more than like in many of our lifetimes, like the the disruption, the frustration, the anger level, the uncertainty, the fear, like all of these things that have been plaguing our culture, our broader culture mm-hmm. for these past couple mm-hmm. of years, people desperately need hope. We know that anxiety is skyrocketing. We know that um, suicide rates are skyrocketing. You know, so again, from particularly ministry leaders, that why is arguably more critical than ever. So mm-hmm. like, if we can get ourselves re-inspired in that why of like, wait, no, right. this is why we do what we do. This is why this matters so significantly. Okay, now how? All right, guys, mm-hmm. I'm not sure how. And I, I literally, I would do this as a leader if I were in mm-hmm. the shoes of a lot of mm-hmm. my listeners. It's what I've done with my mm-hmm. team is like, okay, guys, here's why we do what we do. Now, mm-hmm. I am as confused as you are about how. So we're going to have to figure out how together. <laughs> yes. I'm not exactly yes. sure how this is going to play out in the next one year, mm-hmm. three years, five years. But here's what I know. This is why mm-hmm. we do what we do. And here's a couple mm-hmm. stories of seeing it in action. You know, because the stories exist. We're, you know, yes. I'm, I'm hearing so many stories, especially in ministry, um, mm-hmm. about people who are showing up for the first time because they're hungry for hope. They're hungry yes. for somebody to bring some answer that will give them a sense of peace. We can mm-hmm. provide that, especially as mm-hmm. ministry leaders, and then you know make the correlation to whatever you do. If you're in a nonprofit or a yes. business, like there's a right. compelling why that you're giving your life and energy to. And so mm-hmm. I think if we can come back to that, and our team can see our belief in it, they'll come along for figuring out the how. I don't think right. they're desperate for us to be able to map out the exact plan. In fact, what we know about younger leaders is they want to be more collaborative. They don't want to right. just be dictated to. Just they actually want to yeah. be more collaborative in, in, mm-hmm. in, in doing the work together. So they just need to know that we're anchored in a sense of purpose. And the data is telling us that too. There's a, a lot mm-hmm. of uh, research right now about, um, you know, in this great reorganization, um, what do people really want? They want to be a part mm-hmm. of something that has meaning and purpose, you know, mm-hmm. and they want to give their lives to something that has significance. So to yep. me, that's a huge opportunity. Yeah, it's fantastic. I love that. You know, one of the things that kind of related to that as, you know, if there's been a lot of churches out there that like, say 18 months ago, there was a youth pastor who mildly knew something about technology. And so then we said, (laughs) great, you now are the church online pastor. And that person's been doing that for 18 months. Um, And now the church is, you know, that we're doing that. We keep doing that. It's fine. Um, but now we're asking the reorganization question. We're asking right. the like, okay, how do we, this is the kind of new normal. We have a sense of what we've done, what, what our why is. We have a sense of where we're going. If I'm a church leader today thinking about, you know, I, I just have this sense that we're, that I've got maybe all the right people on the bus, but they're not necessarily sitting in the right seat. Um, the, the real answer is call foresight. They'll help you unplug it and figure it out. But, but the, how would you go, how would you walk through that process? How would you help them kind of begin to translate 
okay, this is kind of our new reality. We take, we have a clear idea of where we're going, why we're doing what we're doing. And we have an idea of our kind of current context, at least for the foreseeable future. Um, right. How do we look at moving people around? What's that look like? Oh, that's such a good question. And honestly, this, that has been a big hot button. Um, I think mm-hmm. there's just a lot of people asking that question because we're realizing mm-hmm. there were some roles that we historically have that have are not as critical. Um, and mm-hmm. then there's some roles that have become more elevated in our strategy. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and like actually looking at that very deliberately building out that organizational structure that really reflects mm-hmm. it is so, so, so key. And here's why I just want to give a why on this because a lot of people, <laughs> especially in ministry, if we hear org chart, we're like, Oh, org chart, yeah, yeah. Bureaucratic, <laughs> feels, you know, yeah, yeah. but here's what a great org chart does is it provides clarity for every person to understand how they contribute to this mission. Like mm-hmm. every person understands, here's how my role helps us achieve this mission. And uh, clarity is one of the, the biggest things we need to provide as leaders. It's one of the most mm-hmm. critical things we can do is provide mm-hmm. the clarity for our teams. And so mm-hmm. clarity of that purpose, which I just went on my long rant about, but then secondly, <laughs> like helping every person see their place in that. So that's what an yes. org chart does. So to your question, it is the, okay, yep. What, uh, one of my, my big convictions is that our structure, our organizational structure mm-hmm. needs to serve our strategy. That's the purpose mm-hmm. first. So mm-hmm. um, I, and when I'm working on org chart stuff with teams, I often talk about toggling the what and the who. Um, mm, and that no, there's, you're, like that. you're going back and forth between what and who, as you're looking at it, because you need to go, okay, what does the organization need to achieve our mission? Okay. Mm-hmm. So we got a structure for strategy. So if mm-hmm. I know that we're going to need, these are the core functions that are going to, that everything needs to flow from, you know? So if mm-hmm. online, like there's a church that I'm working with right now, that online has been so significant for them that they realized we need to elevate that to um, more of a higher position organizationally. Mm-hmm. So, so knowing, you know, next to, and we'll just do churches because I know a lot of the listeners are church mm-hmm. leaders, but you can make the application for whatever type of organization you're in. Your senior pastor is in that most senior leadership seat. So then mm-hmm. your next tier of the organization is really based on what are the core functions necessary for us to achieve our mission. So it's probably you know, all your ministries, it's your operations, and it's your um, uh, creative weekend experience, whatever bucket that mm-hmm. might be. And, and that might vary for you, but you're just getting clear about what are those core areas that are essential mm-hmm. for us to achieve our mission. Um, mm-hmm. Then there's a question mark of, okay, what's the appropriate span of care? You know, how many mm-hmm. direct reports does that leader can, right, can need, in, yeah, yeah, can need and can actively lead, you know, can, can mm-hmm. really provide great leadership for. So, uh, so maybe that's one or two or three or whatever it might be. That's going to clarify mm-hmm. how many, how many folks sit there and then you go, okay, now who, now who can best fit these roles mm-hmm. we've defined. And then you just mm-hmm. keep doing that layer after layer of the org chart, depending on how big your organization is, but it's the, mm-hmm. what do we need? And then, mm-hmm. okay, who do we have? And we just keep toggling back and forth between mm-hmm. those two things to help us build a structure that really serves our strategy, but also finds a clear place and position for the team members we have. I love that. That's great coaching. I know I'm more of a systems leader and would lean much heavier on the like, we've got to get the pristine 
org chart that's like the ideal if we had the most ideal people ever right, um right. you know this is how it would go but i like that challenge of like oh we should be toggling between who do we who is actually here and yeah. you know and, and then who are you know and then how does that fit with where you know we need to be looking at both sides of both that equation sides. that's good i like that that's yeah. good well and what you and what you have a lot in cuz you probably lean a little more of how I would as well that I, you know, mm -hmm. like what's the ideal structure, you know? Yes. And yeah, then, yeah, let's sort that but out. in ministry, <laughs> a lot of times we get so fixated on the who, because we're often more relationally mm -hmm. wired and, um, mm -hmm. and then we just create these really odd roles because of what some people's personal passions and interests are, but it's not really actually helping us do the thing we're called to do. And so yes. as leaders, we have this dual responsibility, right? To both steward the mission of the organization and mm -hmm. the people that are assembled here and their mm -hmm. gifts and so forth. And so it's really that back to tensions that we manage. You know, we talk about mm -hmm. that a lot is like, mm -hmm. it's really the both and. And mm -hmm. I push leaders to say, start with what? Because yes. most yeah. leaders, they will get hung we'll up on the two. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so start sense. with the what? Like if I were clean slate, building mm -hmm. a new org structure to help us achieve the mission in this season of, of the organization's life, what should that look like? Because a lot of times mm -hmm. then what you find is you find some really unique ideas of like, oh, wow, I think this person with a little bit of coaching and development could really mm -hmm. do this thing. And I'd never mm -hmm. thought about that or I'd never seen that potential in them, right? Mm -hmm. Or mm -hmm. this individual over here is a perfect fit or, you know, you mm -hmm. just start to see different, um, diff you get different ideas and different perspective that um, can be really fun to uncover. Yeah. I love that. That's so good. So another, another kind of question around, you know, this whole kind of organizational development in the moment we find ourselves is I do sense that I end up engaged with, with leaders that they're either the senior leader or they're part of the senior leadership team. And something has shifted within them in the last couple of years and they've changed mm -hmm. and they sense that the organization needs to change kind of like at the values level, like where it's like, you know, we used to be X, but I really think going forward, you know, the Lord's calling us to, or, um, yep. or I think that we need to change strategically. It's like this value, this is like, or, or the culture's changed around us and we need to respond to that. Right. So it's kind of like an aspirational values change. Is that a mm -hmm. good idea? Bad idea? How does someone do that? Is that, you know, should values always be just defined on who we are today? How do, how do you balance that out? What does that look like in the current season? Oh, I love that question. It's a it's a really great question because I think you're you're hitting on probably some of the the uh, tensions we feel as leaders of like the landscape is shifting now. What do I do with that? Right. Um, mm -hmm. And so yes, and I think that um, you know values are one of those things that they serve us for a season. Now, sometimes that season mm -hmm. can be really extended. It can be really long. Mm -hmm. There can be organizations with a, you know, that have a set of values that really guide, you know, how they work together and how they mm -hmm. achieve mission together. And it's a, it, that works well for two decades. And mm -hmm. then sometimes there will be something that, that, uh, almost creates a little bit of a, a, almost a rebirth or a, just a pivot to a new season. And so mm -hmm. sometimes that's a new senior leader. Sometimes that's a, you know, something like we've just experienced where it's really shifted our, our focus and our strategy and mm -hmm. it's time to take a relook. So I think it's completely, mm -hmm. if you're sensing that, I think that's completely appropriate. And what I would do is I would say, okay, what, 
what doesn't need to change? You know, maybe we have mm -hmm. a set of seven values, which is probably a little mm -hmm. too many, but most organizations <laughs> have that much. Um, yes. So let's say you have a set of seven. I would recommend yes. more like three to five. But mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. but you look at it and you go, okay, these two or three things, no, that's still us. Like this yes. conviction to um, serve others or mm -hmm. um, to, uh, you know, you fill, it, fill that in with whatever it might yeah. be. Those yep. are still really core convictions. We still really mm -hmm. believe these are critical. But you know what? Mm -hmm. Here, these other three, those were important to us for a season, but they're probably not the most critical things for now. I'll give you an example yep. of this. One of the organizations that I was a part of, we had defined a set of values. They served us really well, well for about 10 years or so. New mm -hmm. senior leader came in and you know, had it, you know, just his own set of convictions and things that were important for the new era of leadership. And they, they did, they pulled them out and they looked at them and six of the seven they kept and he swapped out one. And there was one that was just really important to his leadership and what he believed was yep. essential for the season. So he didn't throw the whole thing out, but they did right. a really helpful reflection on why did these things need to guide us? And that's what's important about values is they really become kind of those guardrails that help every team member understand how do I work here and how do I work mm -hmm. with each other, with one another to, mm -hmm. to succeed, you know, to be mm -hmm. a, a healthy contributing part of this team. So I think, I think the, the taking a look at it, discerning which, what needs to stay, what needs to go. And then, and then really digging into, okay, why is this critical right now in this season? Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. what does it look like? Right? So mm -hmm. what, what's, wh why does this, what's the belief? Why does this value matter? And then behaviorally, what does it look like in action? Because if you can right. give that kind of clarity to it, then uh, because back to your point about it's kind of aspiration, right? We probably are not mm -hmm. fully living into that. But if I can give yes. enough definition to it, I can help my team understand here's what we're aspiring to. And we're mm -hmm. going to keep working to lean into and live into those values in a way that they do become true of us sooner than mm -hmm. later. Yeah, that's good because there can be a problem with those aspirational values where your team can get cynical about them, right? Where it's like, totally. oh yeah, we're supposed to be whatever X, Y, Z, but like I never see that. And so it's, you have to call, I've found you have to call that out. Like, yeah, that's this exactly is, we're right. trying to lead into that direction. This is kind of like where we see, um, and it, it may be a good season or maybe I'll ask it this way. Is this a good season to reevaluate that? Is this a good season for us to be rethinking, I'm assuming values and um, even maybe some vision mission stuff too? I, yes, I think so. Especially if you have question marks about it. If you're like, like, you know, this is clear. This is, you know, I, mm -hmm. I feel confident and comfortable and boom, we're going. Mm -hmm. I would say invite a few voices around the table. I think part of mm -hmm. the, the, the blind spot we can have as leaders is that culture always feels clearest to us because we <laughs> have the most control, right? Sure, and so- sure. We have to be conscientious of the fact that while it might feel clear to us, it it probably is a little more murky to the rest of the team. So that could be mm. mission or vision. It could be values. So I think I would pull some team members to go, if you have your own question marks, that's a great place to open the conversation with some mm. other team members to say, hey, here's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering if we need to relook at this. And I am seeing a lot of organizations doing this right now of just like, hey, this is a mm. healthy time to kind of reset that baseline. Um, mm -hmm. we, we use a tool in our culture framework called the culture hierarchy of needs. And mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's similar to Maslow's hierarchy of like those basic needs that we need to flourish as humans, but it's, it's okay. What does that look like in an organizational context? And right. one of the, one of the core foundational blocks there is like just clarity, organizational clarity. 
What is our mission? Right. What's our vision? What are the values mm-hmm. that guide how we behave? And so mm-hmm. a, a look at that to make sure that that, that foundation is clear and strong mm-hmm. and everybody understands that then helps us build, you know, build the, 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 the trust and the connection and so forth that allow people to really flourish at work. Love it. You've actually given us access to a resource called the four steps to writing values that are more than statements on a wall. That title is a little bit, it hits a little close to home there, Jenny, that, cause I think <laughs> we've all worked in those organizations where it's like, We've got those values. Do they actually impact us? Uh, yep. Talk to us about this tool. Uh, give us a sense of what, you know, what is this? Uh, you know, how, how could a church leader who's listening in, how could it benefit them as they're leading? Yeah, and it does. It just helps you kind of look at the, okay, what are our values? And if, if they don't exist, yep. you know, you're going to get some, you know, just some suggestions on how to even build them. But um, mm-hmm. what are those values? And then I, I kind of hinted at it a little earlier. What's the belief? Why does that matter? Mm-hmm. Why is this significant mm-hmm. for us? What are the behaviors? What does that look like? And then we talk about the sticky statements or the language mm-hmm. that we use to talk about them. Because let's be honest, we can have a value of uh, collaborative communication. And it's like, mm-hmm. that doesn't get anybody super excited, <laughs> right? Yes, but yes. if we put a fun like statement or axiom around that, that is kind of a little bit of like insider language. It's kind of, we all Mm -hmm. understand what it means. Um, It gives them a little more life um, and makes Mm -hmm. it a little more specific to your context. So that, that, um, that uh, free download just kind of walks you through that process and, and helps you put a little more specificity and um, just a little more teeth into these values so that they don't become the thing everybody just kind of chuckles about because they're like, yeah, we say that we do blah, 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 but really sure. we don't. Um, so yeah. it'll get you kind of started in that direction. Love it. This is so good. I want to get a sense for our listeners how they could engage with Foresight Group. So I'm a, just pretend I'm an executive pastor of a church, I don't know, 1,500 people. We've got 25 staff. Uh, and I sense that, you know, there's, man, there's just some stuff on our culture that I think we need to address. How does Foresight help with that? How, how does your group help engage that issue? Yeah, that's fantastic. And thanks for, thanks for that question. Um, first of all, just at the top of our website is a, we call Mm -hmm. it a culture blind spot assessment and Mm -hmm. it will, it's a quick little free assessment that you can take that just helps you identify, okay, what might be the trouble spot for us? And it assesses on Mm -hmm. four different areas of culture. And that mm-hmm. usually kind of gets you pointed in the right direction. And then secondly, mm-hmm. from there, it's like, hey, let's just get on the phone. Let's talk about mm-hmm. it because culture has its uniquenesses and nuances. So, you know, every organization might have a little bit something different that you need specific support for. Uh, and mm-hmm. then beyond that, oftentimes it's either we do, we get you in a one-on-one coaching relationship where then we're just working mm-hmm. with you directly as the leader on whatever mm-hmm. we've identified as the trouble spot. Or we come and do a two-day workshop with you and we deep dive mm-hmm. with you and a team of your staff to define, mm-hmm. hey, what's the reality of our culture currently? What do we aspire mm-hmm. to? And let's build a plan to help you get there. And so mm-hmm. that's the, the culture workshop um, program that is a great place for folks to get connected. But that assessment will get you started. A conversation mm-hmm. will help us figure out what's the best way that we can mm-hmm. help you um, just create that culture where you're, t- you're thriving and your team is thriving. Yeah. Uh, friends, I, you know, Jenny's not just a friend. She's, we've also had her in our organization. She's helped us with some stuff. And I could say, you know, this can feel like one of those areas where it can feel maybe a little bit tender for you as a leader. You're like, oh, like have somebody come in yeah. for a couple of days and talk about an area that I feel a little bit 
maybe not great about. Uh, Jenny and her whole team are so good at getting in the corner of you and your team. Really, this is not a like, hey, we're going to make you feel dumb or like point out all your problems. It's like, let's build to the future. Let's figure out where we go from here. And I have found that the, the free assessment is everybody who's listening should go take it. It is a great kind of um, starting point. It gives you a gr- some some great early ideas. So I would encourage you, friends, to go to Get Foresight. That's with, with a four, not the F-O-R. I can't even spell. It's with the number four, getforesight.com. <laughs> right. uh, that would really be the, the best place. Uh, anything else you'd love to share uh, just while, you're, you're, while we've got you today? Well, I would, first of all, Rich, thank you so much for the opportunity to connect. I'm always super grateful and grateful for the work that you're doing and the way you're equipping leaders with such practical resources and tools. Um, That's just such a gift. But to everybody that's listening, thank you for your faithfulness and leading. I mean, Mm. this has not been an easy season for any leader at any level. And um, so thank you for just your faithfulness in that. And, um, Mm. And I hope that, you know, just uh, you've been encouraged in some way, but if there's any way we can, you know, be a resource or a support or a help, um, we're always eager to be a part. So just thanks for your faithfulness and leadership. That's what I'm super grateful for. Nice. Again, is there anywhere besides getforesight.com we want to send people online? Well, I do want people to listen to your podcast. People uh, sometimes ask me as a podcast, what podcast do I listen to? And your podcast is one of my must listen to. So um, you need to listen to that as well. Where where finer podcasts are aggregated, you can pick that up. Uh, are there, is there anywhere else we want to send people online? Uh, no, I think getforesight.com. It's the word get, the number four, and the word site, S-I-G-H-T. And that's a great place. Um, I'm at Jenny Catron on all social media. So I love to connect with folks there. That's a, just a great way to stay connected with me personally. But yeah, we'd love to we'd love to connect. And yes, the, the podcast is Lead Culture with Jenny Catron. And um, so clearly talking all things leadership and culture. Yes. Good stuff. Thanks so much, Jenny. Appreciate you being here. And maybe we'll have you on in another 600 episodes, you know? I love it. Let's do it. (laughs) Thanks so much. Perfect. Thanks, Rich. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary Podcast. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.